with one a second, preparatory one season. Second, one second. My uh, YouTube was going crazy. I, I tried to click on something and it started automatically playing a video. Oh, nice. It's not nice. It's annoying. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Roman Circus Podcast, a weekly dive into death-defying discussions of Catholic culture, tradition, and history. I'm Matt Baker, and joining me is prolific tweeter and self-proclaimed cutest gif ever, Zach Mabry. You have to admit it's a cute gif, let's be honest. Yeah, that's a good point. You can tweet us at Roman Circus Pod. I'm at Hey, It's Matt Baker. Zach is at Zach Mabry, Z-A-C Mabry. Email us, podcast at romancircusblog.com. Find us on iTunes, rate and review us if you feel so inclined. You can also find us on Podbean, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Well, Zach, we had a few nuclear threats this week. That's right, we did. <laughs> um, nu- nuclear I... threats that weren't? Now, is that nu- are you saying it uh, nuclear or nuclear? I, I pronounce it however President George W. Bush pronounces it. That's kind this of... was like such a big deal to people at one point. That was like, what do we do? We have a president that says nuclear in a strange way. He says it nuclear? No, nuclear. Like there's this U put in there nuclear. between the C and the L. Yeah, like nuclear. And how are, how are we supposed to uh, pronounce it? Oh, you just you just sound it out. Nuclear. Clear. Yeah. See? Nuclear. No. Yes. Now, what happened was <laughs> in Hawaii, and I actually pretty sure I was asleep. I missed the whole thing. So I didn't, I guess it was like 40 <laughs> minutes of panic, and I found out about it afterwards. Oh, there'd been this false nuclear alarm. Yeah, that's how I found out about Hawaii. it after, too. And, you know, I have all of those notifications on my phone turned off because mm-hmm. we've all been in that situation where this just terrifying, you know, Amber alert comes out on your phone right. and you're at mass or something. And so it's, I mean, it's just loud or you're wearing headphones. And so I've got all that disabled. So I, I will have no warning mm-hmm. when the real thing happens. Yeah, sure. Me neither. Um, and I did see on Catholic news agency that there was a family that, you know, as soon as they got the alert, they all started, uh, they, they came all together and they just started praying the rosary. So nice. Um, but then, <laughs> uh, in the dun. mornings, I like to read. I'll usually read the failing New York Times to see what's what's happening. <laughs> and the same thing uh, happened in Japan. Yeah, you said this to me right before we started recording, and I said, "Up, up, up, save it," because I wanted you yeah. to save it. Yeah, what? I can talk about it now, right? You can absolutely talk okay. about it now. Right. So someone else apparently has butterfingers in Japan. Yeah. And they all got a warning that North Korea had launched a, you know, ballistic missile. Right. Um or a, a TCBY or whatever it's called. That's so, a uh, yogurt company, Zach. That's right. That's right. Equally destructive. <laughs> Equally destructive. Right. Uh, and neither of them are in fact well no, I guess the other one is yogurt, so never mind. But this one really can't be yogurt. Uh <laughs> what? <laughs> The TCBY means that can't be yogurt. Oh, does it's like, it? I'm so shocked that this isn't really ice cream. This is this is yogurt, which is you know super healthy. It's made. Um, the, Jamie Lee Curtis very regular yogurt has. I didn't realize that that's what it stood for. We don't have it. A... Actually, wait, 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 wait. No, it used to mean that, and they changed it because I guess they decided that wasn't the thing. So now it does mean something different. Okay, well, we don't have a lot of TCBYs where I come from. Well, you're, I'll be honest, you're not missing out at all. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so we've got these, these fake announcements. Odd that they would happen, you know, one after the other. Yeah. Like that. But so if, if any of our listeners are in charge of alerting your um, locale about um, uh, impending doom, you know, two suggestions. One. Watch your fingers. You know, Right. I mean, you, you've heard the story about the boy that cries wolf. Mm-hmm. Um, right. <laughs> murdered. Yeah. So, uh, and two, I mean, if you're our listener, then why don't you throw in, you know, some kind of 
pray for us, oh, holy mother of God, or, you know, Lord have mercy. I mean, let's get, let's use this announcement to do some good. So those are my two notes for any of, of the nuclear watchtower uh, interns that, that are in charge of the Apple push notifications uh, at the time of the apocalypse. I'm looking at the messages and the Hawaii message. I understand clearly the the one they broadcasted to Japan is in Japanese. Zach, how would I ever? Be, I know. How would I ever be able to know what is going on? Well, you just look at the back section of your television instructions. <laughs> okay. So, like fourth, like the fourth <laughs> section in mine is, you know, you open it and like the the first one has it all in English and then. You know, the next section has the whole thing in, in Japanese, so you could just do a translation. Why is the government sending me push notifications saying to plug in my audio and video cables? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What is that? What is that one? Yeah, it's, you know, pretty pretty crazy. I guess if you were going to make a mistake, I mean, you know, now we at least know that we would, that that, that warning system exists. Um Sure. But yeah, I mean, guys, come on! Like you had one job, which was to, to I guess two jobs: to warn people if there's a, uh, if nuclear winter is beginning, and then to not warn people if not nuclear winter is beginning. And so, um, <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but I, you know, speaking. Oh, I was gonna say my favorite part about the Hawaii one is how it said, "This is not a drill." Which I guess technically is correct because it was not a drill; it was a mistake. That's true. I mean, and I'll be honest; I don't know what you do in that case. I mean, do you? I, I, I have no idea. I mean, what I mean, obviously, what you do is you pray, but I don't know what they would expect people. I mean, do you? Do you hide under a desk? I, th- I think you um, just kind of go. Well, it's been a good run. Yeah, I mean, everything I know about. You know, nuclear bombs. I've learned from the movie Little Boy, so <laughs> ultimately, I, I don't know that much about them. <laughs> the one, the one scene in Little Boy. Okay, what were you gonna say? Let's move. Let's move this thing along here. Well, you know, looking here at my my English Japanese uh, television instructions, I'm mm-hmm. reminded of of another book that I have that has two languages side by side. What is that, Zach? Uh, transition. Um, oh, that's uh, the missile. So you know, the missile is sort of the uh, the book of all the feasts of the church. It has all the rituals for the mass and the other sacraments. Yes. Um, there's a, a a pretty neat I, I don't know subgenre of of presidential photos of President Kennedy and uh, and First Lady Jackie O uh, going in and out of mass, and they're you know have their missile in hand. So. Um, you know, if, if you don't think about anything else, you know about them. It's it's actually quite edifying. Does, um, it, uh, does it come with Latin instructions on how to turn on your giant tube television? Yes, yes. The first one is don't. Don't. Yeah, that was what our priest used to say. Make sure that you fix your TV. And he said, if you don't have a twenty gauge, a twelve gauge would work. That oh, was kind of one of his quips. I get it. And you know, basically, him saying watching television is just is just always a waste of time, and there are so many things that you could be doing that you would enjoy more than watching television. But he said this prior to Downton Abbey being released. Exactly. So exactly, we can I do mentioned, a, we can do a whole a whole podcast on that show, Zach. I think that's like that was like our initial topic that we both had. You know, other than you know having mutual, I think that was like something we were we would tweet about. That brought us together. Yeah, I think that that sort of, you know, the the Crowleys, uh, friends of the family, you know, yeah, Crowley family is how we how we became friends. So except Edith, yeah. we don't consider her a friend. No, no, no. I always talk about what things are sort of like Edith, you know, like corn tortillas or <laughs> trash on the side of the road. Anyway, uh, that was a little that was a little harsh. Yeah, yeah, tra- <laughs> trash. That's horrible. Trash used to be something. You, no, I'm just kidding. Oh. Um, so that's awful. We, Edith oh. is a, actually an interesting character in the story, though just you know also tragic. Um, yes. 
so yeah, so I'm looking at the missile, like I said, you know, I mean, the, the most immediate use of it is, you know, when you're at mass so that you can follow along, um, you know, since you'll be hearing everything in Latin, you can kind of read along on the side of your respective language. In my case, uh, English and loud English are what I speak. And so, you know, I can, loud I can see English. what I speak. Yeah. I mean, have you, have you ever been around someone who, you know, they're speaking to somebody from a different from a different culture oh, right. who doesn't speak English right, and they right, think right. if they just say it like I would like coffee and they look at you like I would like yeah, yeah somehow no. saying it louder makes anyway, it more people, more understandable right I don't know who taught these people this but it's funny to make fun of mm-hmm. um, but the other thing it does is it you know it contains in the missile all of the feasts of the liturgical year and so I thought why don't we talk about the liturgical year since we did our episode about uh, the season of Christmas and mm-hmm. the, you know, the 11, whatever the 11 was, you know, this kind of puts it in context so that, you know, we'll just go around the, around the calendar in uh, 80 minutes, except not 80 minutes. Okay. Cause you'll, you'll be watching the clock. You'll call time. So the, the church has this year and you know, some of that stems from from just creation itself. I mean, you know, the length of a year is a natural thing, and you know, nature has God as its author, and so it's um, you know, it's just kind of built into our our minds. You know, that's just a natural interval in our lives. It's not really something that's you know particularly man-made. And you know, a day is obviously sun goes up, sun goes down, yada yada. So the church has its year. And if you want to picture a calendar, I'm borrowing this from this, uh, this fantastic website, Fish Eaters, mm-hmm. and we can post the link in the show notes if we don't forget. And you start with your normal year, just your, your regular old year. And then you put on top of that the common of saints. And so this is like all the different saint days, which generally have a specific date assigned to them. Right. And, you know, those are going to be on the same date no matter what. Now, quick With question. With some exceptions, but yes. Are, are these the same as feast, day, feast days? Yes. So each, okay. each saint's day is that saint's feast day, and they've, you know, they're kind of assigned different weights, if, if you will. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you have your first class feasts, second class feasts, and third class feasts. Right. And that is um, a designation they were given actually by Pius XII to sort of cut down on just the number of designations there used to be. You used to have, you know, double, um, you know, double of the first class, yada, yada. And that was sort of streamlined into this first, second, third mm-hmm. paradigm. Um, so as I said, kind of laid on top of your ordinary dates is the proper saints, which is sometimes called the sanctoral cycle mm-hmm. is your $5 word, $4 word, maybe. <laughs> and then you add to that the proper of seasons or the temporal cycle. Um, and so the proper of seasons are the seven liturgical seasons and they're movable in the sense that they are anchored in based on Easter and Christmas. So, you know, Christmas is the 25th of December. The fourth Sunday before Christmas is always the first Sunday of Advent. And so the date of that changes Mm -hmm. because there's not, you know, the number of days in the year is not divisible by seven. Sure. And And we we had a short Advent last year and we'll, other years we'll have a longer Advent. Right. You know, just like we have, you know, the seasons themselves and nature are different, just like we've got, you know, things like leap year and stuff. There's not a sort of super sanitized, you know, calendar that is so airtight and manufactured that it doesn't have any of those sort of accommodations, which are all just part of, you know, reality. Mm-hmm. And then in Easter, of course, it's always on a Sunday. And there's this whole complex thing involving the moon and Passover to figure out when Easter is. And i couldn't explain it to you if I tried, but uh, thankfully they make an, an announcement years in advance of, of what Sunday Easter will be. So right. we don't 
have to worry. So, you know, that's kind of the two pieces. And they because, like I said, they move around with the dates of Christmas and Easter, there's every year, while it repeats, is also a little bit different. And, you know, I like to think of that as like, okay, this year we had short Advent. Next year maybe it'll be longer Advent. And it, it's kind of like, yes, there's a next time, but there's not a next this time. Every everyone is unique. Yeah, I mean, you know, time time moves forward. Right. And so, you know, this is your one, this is your only today, and then you'll have tomorrow, hopefully. And so, um, you know, you you've got to you've got to kind of live it while you can. I mean, how many of us now that it's mid January have had like, okay, this year I'm going to do this. Next year, okay, next year I'll do it. Next year I'll start going to the gym every day. Blah blah blah. Right. And it can seem like you've got this infinite succession of next years, but to me, and this is just something I've made up, the the variability there almost teaches me that you get one shot at, at today. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, the, the liturgical year goes back to just the very beginning. And it's how people sort of live and relive the entire life of Christ. There's a poem, which we won't read because I'm, I'm terrible at reading poetry. Mm-hmm. It sounds like I'm reading, you know, instructions. But well, poetry um, is terrible in general. Just kidding. Well, I mean, just kidding. It, I mean, you could say that if you bracket it around certain years. Then, yeah. You know, you could be right, but you know, we're not all you know Odin. So. And certain social media platforms. Yeah. Well, Twitter is poetry. I mean, I yeah. I told you this that in school you know, in a few hundred years, they're going to have to have, the kids are going to write tweets according to the old, you know, just like we wrote haikus. Yes. It'll be like, you know, compose a tweet for your homework. You know, tweets were a genre of, of language arts around this time period um, before the destruction of the world by North Korea. Um, They would write 140 characters. And then in the late Trumpian (laughs) era, they were 280. That's right. But, you know, I, of course, it's you can just see it in the books now, but um, you know it, each each season has a, a a reference to our Lord. You know, Advent He has come. Advent He is born. You know, the circumcision He uh, you know adheres to Jewish customs. Right. Epiphany He is manifest. You know, you can do this through the whole year, and that's the poem I won't read, but that's on that link that I was mentioning to uh, the fish eaters site. Is it shows you how every Every point of of the year points to our Lord, and so it's how we can come to know Him. And you know, people debate this rendering, and I think if it's in context, it makes sense. But it's sort of how you have a personal relationship with our Lord. Um, I know people debate whether that's an appropriate term or not, but you know, if you understand what we're saying here, this is an ancient concept personal relationship within the confines of the church right and you know within you know your life on a very personal level is consecrated to our lord not yeah our lord's not the cheerleader in your back pocket who is you know gonna move heaven so that you pass this math test god god is not on your squad basically oh yeah where did we see that was that was that a twitter bio yeah it was a twitter bio Got, got, got like on my these, squad. We're going to have to do this, like, you know, worst Twitter bios thing in a future episode. Like, the top ten just most cringy Twitter bios. But Yeah, yeah we can just know, we can drink red wine and just be prissy about Twitter bios. I mean, you don't have to make fun of my idea, but... <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm all in for that. I was the one who sent... Okay. I was the one who sent you the God on my squad thing. Yeah. That's, and then there's that, the other one. Well, no, we won't say it because we'll save it for the episode because we'll lose a lot of friends when we call out some of these very common but just obnoxious Twitter bio trends. Um, yeah, so. yeah. But to wrap that up, when I say God is not on your squad, that that makes it seem like he's just kind of like your he's like your small forward to you being shooting guard. 
Yeah, like how lucky is he that you have accepted him into your squad? <laughs> yeah. You know, is he a full? Is he active or is he still a pledge? Is he still cleaning the house every morning? What's his, like, a, what's his contract like? Does he have like a lifetime contract or does he have to renew it every few years? What's the? Yeah, and does does that mean that our Lord will be a legacy and automatically <laughs> gets a bid? I mean, yeah, no, that's what that whole thing is about. I mean, where were we? <laughs> I, um, I forget. You know, when looking at the liturgical year, that's the, but that's the idea. Is it it, it becomes starts to make up the fabric of your life, and really, I mean, almost every tradition you can think of, especially involving food or drink, and especially beer, wine, cocktails, all of that comes out of the liturgical calendar. There's um, the book, the just incredible book. Uh, drinking with the saints Mm -hmm. which is it's like a book of saints for the whole year but then it also has a recommended drink that goes with it interesting either either something out of you know the culture that has popped up over time it's called drinking with the saints by michael foley Mm -hmm. and um so in addition to presenting either you know this was the custom of where this this type of drink came from or where this is a type of wine that you know is only made at this time of year in the papal states you know, for centuries, um, there's that. And then there's also, you know, this is this saint's, you know, we know from his diary, this was his favorite beer. And, you know, Germany, they would use, the monks would use beer as their main source of nutrition through, throughout the season of Lent, not to get ahead of myself, but, you know, the food stuff and the having different foods at different times, there's the sort of natural thing of certain crops are only available when they are. And then there's the, the aspect that it, it makes a part of the, you know, the feast days. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's kind of the bird's eye view of the year. So I thought we could just do a quick journey through time. What do you say? Yeah. All right. The year begins with Advent is the start of the new liturgical year. Right. Correct. So one for one, a common Twitter thing is to go on and say happy new year. Or, you know, that'll be the beginning of the homily mm-hmm. if you have a hilarious and cheesy priest. Mm-hmm. That'll be season of Advent, preparing for Christmas, four Sundays and anywhere between three to four weeks. You kick into Christmas on the 25th of December at midnight. If we know that that's when our Lord was born, and so that's why we have it then. You, um, he was born in December, we know, because he was conceived in March. We know that because... Uh, Our Lady visited her cousin Elizabeth uh, right after she conceived our Lord. She visited him with, uh, she visited Elizabeth during Elizabeth's sixth month. Six months prior to the month of March was around the time of Yom Kippur, which was when St. Zachary was the high priest serving in the temple. And that's when he was told that uh, he was a father. And so it's easy to pinpoint it like that. Hmm. Um, the other thing though, that's much easier than that is this neat little test you can do about how do we know when Christmas is, is that you find any mother, right? Right. And you say, do you remember when your first child was born? Okay. You know, do you remember what the weather was like that day? Do you remember where you were? And, you know, not a betting man, but... I bet 100% of them will say yes, and they will be able to remember it. Right. And so what the church did is that same thing. Just ask Mary, who you know lived out the rest of her earthly life with uh, the Apostle John. And uh, you know that's how you know when Christmas is. So they didn't have to do the math that I just explained, but it's just something to remember because it's this weird myth about you know Christmas being here, there, everywhere. But actually, we, <laughs> we have Midnight Mass because that's when he was born. Zach, there are a so lot have... of Christmas trees that are getting thrown out in front of where I live, so I feel like Christmas is just kind of happening always. You know, it's the season that keeps on giving. I, I still have mine up, and I will still have mine up until February the 2nd, which we'll get to. Okay. But you're you're rushing. No, so... Yeah. So Advent fades into Christmas. Christmas is that 12 days. Mm-hmm. See our first episode for a, you know, a live walkthrough of that. 
And then you get to Epiphany, which is always on January the 6th. Epiphany is, of course, the big public manifestation of our Lord. Traditionally, this was actually the gift day when people would exchange gifts. And a lot of families are restoring that. I've heard it's great theologically, but also great on your budget because all the sales have started. So, nice. But yeah, I have heard of families, and I know a few who, who do that now. Um, and then you have what sort of epiphany is the third season. It's, it's the extension. So it takes the, this public manifestation of Christ to the, um, you know, to the wise men, to the kings that came, and then it just extends it out um, you know, through time until we fade to the next season. And so these weeks are numbered from Epiphany. So this past Sunday was the second Sunday after Epiphany. And what, if you had to guess, is this coming Sunday? Is it the third Sunday after Epiphany? It is. Oh, man. See, see uh, this is so easy, even you and I can grasp it. Right. So the, <laughs> the weeks after Epiphany count outward. Mm -hmm. And like the entire year, there's, you know, each Sunday, there's a particular um, set of readings that are proclaimed at Mass. And the cycle repeats itself year after year after year. So, you know, this past Sunday, the second Sunday after Epiphany is the wedding at Cana is the, the gospel for that. And, you know, I always sort of catch the, you know, I always kind of, think of this feast day because that was when I was first learning about the calendar happened to be around this time of year. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's this funny thing. Uh, it was described to me as kind of like a spiral staircase that you can look down year after year of, you know, the way that these different gospel passages, because they repeat, you know, every single year, which is a very, you know, natural. I mean, that's how we order everything. They become kind of like a friend's birthday or some kind of annual observation, like, um, the Super Bowl, and you, you know, you, they just kind of become part of your life, and you, you can reference things to them because they they repeat like that, mm -hmm. and it's um it's just a neat thing, and on top of that, each Sunday has a topic, a kind of a dogmatic topic, something from you know revealed truth, and then a moral topic, you know, wisdom for living that the church asks priests to preach on. So um, after the after the council, they issued the Roman Catechism um, in the I guess what's that the 16th century, and the the Roman Catechism is broken up into bits because the church was just very concerned that people were not being told the truth and wanted to give everybody the chance to learn as much as they possibly could about our Lord, right. and so they took the catechism and they broke it up into little pieces based on the gospel readings for each Sunday. And so that's something you can do throughout the liturgical year is order the, order the, the catechism, um, the, the Roman catechism. We can post a link. Tan book sells a hard copy, or you can find it used most places. Mm -hmm. And then open to the sermons, uh, the sermon program pages and see, you know, what to read. And then in a year, you'll read the whole catechism. Um, the, you know, every passage. And that's been, and that's been part of the church's, you know, sort of magisterium for, you know, near 500 years. So it's it's an invaluable resource. There's other catechisms that have come out, but that's the first one. So it'll always be the standard bearer for for catechisms. Right. Um, the first universal one, of course. So you're in this expansion out from Epiphany. You're you're living the message of Christmas, and personally, I keep my Christmas stuff going until February the 2nd, which is candle mass mm -hmm. or the, um, you know, the presentation is how they celebrate it in the East. And in the West, it's always been the purification where our lady goes to um, the temple. And of course she didn't have to do this, but you know, in her humility, because it was expected of all women, she would never exalt herself above others. So, you know, she goes and, and she's obedient to the law has the purification and that's the day everybody brings candles to mass, which hence it's called candle mass and gets them blessed. So you, you know, at our parish, people bring just boxes and boxes of candles. Right. So 
that's sort of that piece. And that kind of marks the end of the kind of childhood, you know, the divine life of our, our Lord as a child before he becomes an adult. Um, so that marks the end of that. So within where we're at now, Epiphany, we gradually switch to the next section of the year, which is the Easter cycle. Mm-hmm. So we had the first three seasons, like we said, Advent, Christmas, Epiphany. And now it's time for the next four seasons. Um, what kicks it off is the season of Septuagesima. Now that's a $6 word right there. I know. I know. And I'm probably saying it wrong, and hopefully somebody lets me know so that I don't look like a doofus. No, you're saying it right. Time. Oh, good. I forget that that you know just everything. So. No, I I actually I, know, just <laughs> I I said before we started that you know much more about all this than I do. There are some things I know more about, and there are some things you know more about, and this is one of them. Well, I have to say, I, I literally there's two main sources that I owe all of this to because I that's where I've kind of been taught is a a good priest friend of mine mm-hmm. who I won't incriminate by naming, um, but and then. Uh, the website fish eaters, which I mean, literally you can just sit on the website for hours and just read all sorts of things, you know, all just, not just the liturgical year, but you know, you can find out what, you know, what cookies do people normally make on the feast of St. Barbara? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I mean, I don't bake or cook, so that's not particularly useful to me, but it's neat to know just the wealth of information on that side. Um, so Septuagesima, there's three Sundays in that season. So then the second one is called Sexagesima, mm-hmm. which is the feast day that all of the, you know, seventh graders remember, of course. Yeah. Um, but, and then, I think it's Quinquagesima, but I'm sure I'm saying it wrong. Quinquagesima, I mean, it's the 50. So you have 70, 60, 50, and then yeah. Quadragesima being Quinquagesima, lit. yeah, that looks about right. I know, it's like, I, I mean, I... I only speak English and French, and so I'm probably not saying it correctly in Latin. But what Septuagesima is, is it's pre-Lent. It speaks to the greatness of, of Easter, really, that there's the preparatory season of Lent for Easter, but then there's the season to prepare for the preparation. Right. And and what that was described at, uh, described by Paul VI as kind of like the bells that warn us that it's time to go to mass or not warn, but you know yeah. notify us there's the bell at an hour or the bell at 30 minutes the bell at 15 minutes that was how he you know likened this flow of seasons mm-hmm. and in addition to preparing us for lent it also unites us with history because uh, you know the pre-lenten season dates back at least to the time of pope gregory the great which would be you know about the year 604 and it unites us to the Eastern Catholics, who who they have a pre-Lenten season. Um, the first of which they give up. You know, they actually kind of gradually ease into the fasting of Lent. So they'll give up. You know, there's cheese fair where they give up cheese and dairy, and then there's meat fair where they give up meat, and they sort of, uh, you know, gradually ease into the the fasts of what in the East they refer to as Great Lent. Mm-hmm. So. It's a, you know, for all sorts of reasons, it's for being so short, it's, it's such an important season, particularly to make sure that Easter is just the happiest time on earth. So that's what that kind of does. You know, you just, you just ease in from Septuagesima Sunday through Shrove Tuesday slash Mardi Gras, if you will, you have that season when you go to mass, you'll see the purple vestments and the, you know, the beginning of the, the great penitential season kicks off. And actually, fun fact, it's maintained by even the Anglicans because, you know, they see the value in it as well. So both the Anglicans that are not actually Anglicans because they're Catholic, the Anglican ordinariate, they have pre-Lent and then, you know, your actual Anglican Anglicans, um, have it too for those of if you can find one um so that is the preparatory season for 
Lent, which leads us to Lent. So Lent kicks off on Ash Wednesday, and luck would have it that this year it's on Valentine's Day. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's pretty great. So people who go out on dates for Valentine's Day have to not eat meat and actually abstain from food that day. Yes. (laughs) They They have to abstain in every way on that day, so... They'll, yeah, would you like to, you take your date out and make sure they know that your meal's got to be less than half of the size of a full meal with no meat, whatever the rule is. Um, yeah, that'll be rough for, you know, people who are very fond of the, the cultural fanfare of, of St. Valentine's Day. But of course, Ash Wednesday would take precedence over any Saint's Feast Day. Of course. So, so. Technically, there is no Valentine's Day this year. <laughs> you just canceled Valentine's Day. Um, I didn't. It's the church. You you can contact the Pope and, and complain about this. I didn't make these rules. Valentine's Day has been canceled. Uh, suppressed is the term. Suppressed. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but, so Ash Wednesday. So that kicks us off. Yes. So for Lent, let's see. You give up. Let me guess. Chocolate. No. No, what do you what do you do for Lent? I don't know. Or is it a secret? I don't know. I I always slightly kind of feel weird talking about it just cuz I I don't know. I don't want to That's true. No, if I did what what you I wouldn't tell anybody if I did what what it is that you do. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I have I've kind of narrowed it down to a few things I think I might do. I'm not sure yet. So um, Nice. But um yeah, it it last year was last year it was like no social media and uh yeah, no meat. Oh, I remember because I sent you a screenshot of a tweet and you were like, "Why are you tempting me?" Cuz I forgot. Oh yeah. Then I said, "Bring oh, it man. on." Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> yeah. But Lent could be the subject of, like, we could do every week during Lent a whole podcast about Lent, so we will just, right now, totally sidestep much discussion, other than that it's it's one of the most important seasons, and it's, as G.K. Chesterton was you know famous for saying, you cannot truly feast if you do not fast. So right. Lent is a great season of fasting, and, you know, that's kind of what we'll say about that. Lent goes Lent. all the way through March, and Easter yes. is on the 2nd of April this year. Um, is it? I thought it was... The 1st. The 1st. The first. Yeah. Yeah. April, April Fools. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, assuming that it's not blasphemy to say, in in a way, if you thought our Lord was in the, in the tomb, oh, ho, ho, ho. April Fools... Um, I was going to say, if you don't go to Mass that day, you are, in fact, an April Fool. Or you went to the vigil. Oh, okay, yes, but that counts. Duh. Sorry, I was already feeling a little guilty there, right? Um, yeah, so you, you zoomed to that, but yeah, so you have Lent. The fourth Sunday of Lent is a sort of joyful one where the priests wear rose slash pink, uh, to Mass, the fifth Sunday is Passion Sunday, and then you've got Ash, or not, uh, Palm Sunday, and then Easter. Mm-hmm. So when Easter happens, the great sort of switch is flipped, and you just go to, you just party. Like, they, the Mass got out at, I think, 2 a.m. this past year, right. or the year before, in my parish, and I kid you not, they had a potluck that oh, went yeah. to four. Right. I mean, I, I went home and slept. This is something that I, I like. I I do love these, you know, impromptu potlucks that always happen. The the classic more two a.m. potluck. Yeah, they did it at Christmas too. Oh and wow! I just again, I don't live that life anymore. I do not party late into the night slash early into the morning. It's still the day that I. It's still the nighttime when I'm ready to go to bed. So right. Uh, you know, but that happens. Easter, as we know from Scripture, 
is 50 days long. So 50 days later, on Ascension Thursday, you have the great Feast of the Ascension. Um, because of the literal 50 days, that's always been celebrated on Thursday. Right. And then the origin, the scriptural origin of the Novena is also triggered by Ascension Thursday because you start the Novena to the Holy Ghost following Ascension Thursday. And then for nine days, you pray the world's first Novena to count down to Pentecost. So that's the other sort of neat thing on the calendar is that the church always celebrating Ascension on Thursday tees up that first ever Novena and then kicks off Pentecost, just this, you know, further celebration of the birth of the Catholic Church. That's pretty great. So I know it is pretty great. So that would um, be, you said so that's Ascension Thursday, the 10th, the 10th of May this year. See, I'm actually following along on an actual calendar. That's yes. why I like uh so yeah, so the 10th, that's when you start the novena and that leads right into Pentecost. Well, you start on the 11th actually. Okay. Oh yes, right. Yes. So that leads you to Pentecost and you know, Pentecost we celebrate it forever because it's a one-time event. And you know, to the point that it would actually a a, a theologian that uh, that you know, you're familiar with too, he points out that it, it would be blasphemous to describe any subsequent event as being, you know, quote unquote, a second Pentecost, because it would be like picking someone that you are a fan of and saying their birth date is like a new Christmas or something, <laughs> you know, because this is the earthly manifestation of, of one of the three persons of the triune Godhead, you know, there's no second Pentecost, right? That would mean there was something lacking in the first Pentecost, right? Um, that makes sense. You know, and it was at it was at Pentecost where the disciples who you know, run away, you know, in fear when our Lord's being, you know, they they skip town, mm-hmm. and it's just Our Lady and, and Saint John and, and Mary Magdalene that have to sit there, um, you know, as our Lord is tried by a kangaroo court and convicted of nothing, and then sentenced to die. You know, they skip town out of fear including, you know, Peter, who had been appointed by our Lord to be the first pope, they're right. gone. Well, after the Pentecost, nothing like that happens. They go out and, you know, they now have, you know, infused within them the it's Holy super, Ghost. Supercharged. Right, yeah. I mean, supercharged. And then all of them, of the remaining 11, all of them but but St. John go out and die for the faith when they were afraid to even even from a distance, watch our Lord's crucifixion. And, right. you know, that just speaks to the power of of what happened at Pentecost. Power of, and, power of ordination, basically. Yes. And so you take this once-of-ever event, Pentecost, and then you just magnify it out through the rest of the year, and that's the seventh season, is the Pentecost and the time after Pentecost. Mm-hmm. So then the rest of the Sundays of the year are numbered off of Pentecost. So you have the first Sunday of Pentecost, and then... What comes after that, Zach? Wait for it, the second Sunday <laughs> after Pentecost. Right. Now, each of those also may have another feast attached to it. I believe it, the first Sunday after Pentecost is called... is Trinity Sunday, I, I think. So then the... Um, the, the... Second Sunday after Pentecost is a Sunday within the octave of Corpus Christi. And the third is a Sunday within the octave of the Sacred Heart. Huh. Yes. That sounds right. And then because the fourth you have... Sunday after Pentecost is just called the fourth Sunday after Pentecost. And there you go. Oh, because there's the first Sunday. Because I was like, I'm pretty sure that... Okay, so the first Sunday after is the... Trinity Sunday, and then that's when you get into the octaves of, of like Corpus Christi. So yeah, and there's actually an, um, a common practice of, of doing the Corpus Christi feast twice. So they they'll have it on on what it's normally on, I believe Thursday, and then they have the external solemnity where they do it again on Sunday. You know, that's double the fun. Yeah. Um, and then you have all these great feasts that take place 
in this later time. And I mean, you know, again, so much of this could have its own, not just podcast episode, but a whole podcast series. So we can't just dive into all of it. But, um, you know, one feast that happens in the summer that I always look forward to is the Feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Okay. And so that that commemorates when the Virgin Mary appeared to St. Simon Stock and gave him the brown scapular. Um, and, you know, for centuries, really since then, the brown scapular has been worn by, you know, a, a very large, I mean, really just the entire Latin rite for, for many years, and then still large swaths even today as as certain things have sort of tapered off. Right. Um, and so that feast happens at our parish. What they do is the one of the priests, the Sunday kind of closest to the Feast of the Scapular, they'll give a, a sermon about the scapular itself. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards they'll do a group enrollment. So you're enrolled in the scapular. It's this ceremony that it's almost like being knighted in a sense. And, you know, then you wear the scapular with you all the time. There's promises associated with it from Our Lady. There's devotions you can do in addition that, you know, make up kind of a, a further celebration of, of the of the sacrament or sacramental of the scapular. So that's right. a July thing. Um, and so for a lot of people, they're enrolled at their first communion. But if they if they missed out on that, that's where they do the group enrollment after mass on that Sunday. And we even have in, near our parish, all the police officers that parole the area, the priests have enrolled all of them that's pretty uh, awesome. in, in, the, in the Brown scapular. Yeah. It's, you know, it's nice knowing that they've got, you know, I mean, they're, they're keeping us safe and they, you know, they're also wearing, you know, the armor of our lady too. So it's a neat, a neat thing. That's a good summer feast. And then, you know, as it rolls on the last Sunday of October, is another one of my favorites is the the feast of Christ the King, mm-hmm. and so um, this was is actually fairly new. It was put in place by Pope Pius XI, who I jokingly referred to as Eleventh Heaven. Actually, not jokingly, but I hashtagged him as Eleventh Heaven. He put uh, this feast on the calendar to you know remind the world of the immediate reality of of Christ's kingship over all nations. Because mm-hmm. this was a time period when people started to, you know, quote unquote, forget, but also just reject, um, you know, any semblance of, of the truth or of, of sanity or, uh, you know, of of right order that Christ brings to society. So he puts that there. And it, the other symbolism there is that it it's the Sunday that will precede because it's the last Sunday in October. It will precede the first day of November the Feast of All Saints. And so the, the symbol there is, you know, you have the head that, that goes, you know, Christ is the head, and then you have the body, the body of Christ, all the saints. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's uh, one of my favorites. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, there, I mean, there's just so many things like that that you can you can find because the, the calendar doesn't have an, an or a date of origin. I mean, it was sometime after Pentecost, basically. And right. But all of it's been, you know, organically, you know, built up. And so it's, it's ingrained in, in both nature and the Gospels. And it, you can't point to any one person or group of people to say, oh, this is the, you know, this is the people who came up with this. It's, it's all gradually been, been accumulated. And it's, it's part of kind of our patrimony. It's what we can you know, our, our sort of job as, as Catholics is to, you know, receive from the ancestors and the apostles and then to pass on to the next generation, you know, the whole tradition. And so within the tradition, you've got the deposit of faith itself, but then, you know, everything that, that helps to communicate all of those truths to the people. So that's, that's where it's just, you know, it's just kind of neat. I mean, there's just no date of origin that would apply to the whole calendar. And, you know, people have favorite, uh, favorite feasts. You know, Martin Mass is a, is a big one that will probably, if we can convince this one priest to come on the mm-hmm. air and that he's going to be listening, 
on <laughs> on the way to Switzerland. He said he'd be listening to this on the plane. If he would come on the show, we'll you know we'll talk all about. I mean, there's just a whole you know fanfare built around Martin Mass, the piece of Saint Martin, including you know Saint Saint Martin's Summer, this warm period in the fall that that sort of occurs always around the feast of St. Martin. And so it's, it's just something neat. And it, that's the, the fun part is you can look across, you know, all of the different parts of the world that have, you know, had a, a strong Christian presence. And there's, there's different feast days that maybe aren't universal. There's different practices associated with them. And it, it's like this never ending. I don't know what do you call that cornucopia. What's the, What's the centerpiece at Thanksgiving? Um, Cornucopia sounds sounds fine. We're gonna go with that. And I mean, there's you know, weird talking about the year in a podcast, but you know, you have your great, you're not not yet canonized saints, but great, you men in the church like uh, Dom Prosper, Garen Jay, he wrote a 15 volume you know, treatise on just the, the liturgical year and all the different feast days and traditions and, you know, the symbols, the focuses. And, you know, we talked in our, our day in the life episode about meditation. Well, the, the themes to meditate on, if you follow the liturgical year, those are the, the themes of the life of Christ. And so, you know, seven being a most perfect number, you've got your seven seasons, like we said, Christmas yeah. cycle, Advent, Christmas, and Epiphany, Easter cycle, Septuagesima, Lent, Easter, and Pentecost, and time after Pentecost. So, yeah, around the world in not quite 80 minutes. <laughs> that, was, that was a good breakdown, Zach. You know, I thought we've got to do it because we'll be able to point back to it and we won't have to give so much introduction in future podcasts because we you know lay some groundwork here so besides the website that i mentioned fish eaters where you can read a lot of details about each season and the customs and whatnot um you know a great place to just look is in your your missile and you know i i own two missiles one of them is it's just called the roman missile it's put out by baronius press and we mentioned them before because they have some really good English translations of, of Catholic uh, classics. And then the other one I have is the St. Andrew Daily Missal. Mm-hmm. And for almost every Sunday and most of the feast days, it has like a page of commentary and catechesis before it lists out, you know, the stuff for the Mass, the the two scripture readings and the psalm and, um, you know, the secret prayer and, and the post-communion and all that. It... Uh, it's got a whole thing because even even in those Sundays after Pentecost, there's there's a message and it's got it it all spelled out in great detail and gives you all these different origins and, and whatnot. So those are the two that I have. I know that there's more. I'm just not familiar with them. The St. Andrew one, um, you can find it on Fraternity Publications and maybe Amazon. We'll, we'll post a link of where that one is. It was a little bit of an investment, so it's kind of a a Christmas gift to myself. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it's something I hope to have for many years. So it you know made sense. Um, yeah. So those are, are neat ways to just kind of follow through, and then just you know read read the bulletin at mass. They'll warn you ahead of time when it's the week that you bring your bottles of wine to to mass to have them blessed, or your candles, or um, there's like the throat blessing on February 3rd. Yeah, they'll, they'll warn you about all that stuff. I think it was maybe last year you came out here and it happened to be on the throat blessing. We were able, I was able to pick you up from the airport and quickly run out. We ran over to a church and jumped in line and got our throats blessed and then went and ate Mexican food. That, yeah. Okay. That's that was just a year ago. Wow. Yeah. So they, they, it's the day after candle mass. So they use candles that they blessed the day before. Uh, yes. And it's, it's a lot like in uh, star Wars with the, the lightsabers crossed, you know, when they're like, kill him, but they don't kill you. Um, <laughs> but they, you know, they, they do that. And 
for people who pay attention on Twitter, you'll see a lot of references to the lightsaber thing because, you know, it's, it's funny. You want to have yeah, a saint of the just, week, Zach? Yes. Who do we have this week? Checking in this week with on the feast day of January 17th, which is the day we're recording this podcast, is St. Anthony the Abbot, Anthony the Great, as he's also known. His parents died when he was around 18 years old, and he inherited 300 acres of land and the responsibility of his younger sister. And one day in church, he heard Matthew 19.21, If you wish to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. So he went, walked out of church and sold everything he had except for what he and his sister needed to live on. But then he heard Matthew 6.34, So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. So he gave away everything else, entrusted his sister to a convent, and went outside the village to live a life of praying, fasting, and manual labor. A few things I like about him is every time he heard of a holy person, he would travel to go meet that person to see how they prayed and how they lived their life so then he could try and imitate it. And then he would return home. Once he then he just kind of up and decided to go out and live in the desert where he took on just a life of prayer and he only ate bread and drank water and he kind of closed himself off to society. He wouldn't allow anyone to enter his cell. He was a hermit. So if you came to visit him, you would have to stand outside and listen to his advice. He lived to be 105 years old and he had a few of his uh, followers bury him in an unmarked grave. Patron saint of skin diseases, grave diggers, basket makers. What were you going to say? Well, so does that make him the patron saint of Rodan and Fields? As the patron saint of skin disease? it It might do just that. If any of our listeners would like to start their very own business, you can just buy a $300 lotion from us through Dan and Fields. No, I'm just kidding. Essential oils, um, Zach? Yeah. No, we're making fun of Dan and Fields, not not Young Living. Um, okay. But do you think that St. Anthony the Abbot ever gets tired of people accidentally asking him to help them find lost items? <laughs> That's not me. It's like being the child that's always called the sibling's name. You're like, no, I'm not that St. Anthony. However, being a St. Anthony at all, I think is impressive, but I'm sure he's not jealous of St. Anthony Padua. No. All right. Well, great, great work, Zach. Uh, can I, can I out you and say it's your birthday on Friday? Sure. Why not? So the feast, the, the feast of, of my nativity takes place <laughs> Friday. So I'm excited because my, uh, my mom's going to come visit me because it's a uh, busy season. So I'm not kidding out too much. And then, um, hopefully going to celebrate with some of the friends, probably not until Sunday, but it's always, always fun to mark those days that the, the whole thing of referring to someone's birthday as the feast of their nativity actually came from the, the liturgist at the parish where I was received into the church. That's what he posts on people's uh, Facebook walls. For nice. Happy birthday. So, yep. I thought it was funny. So, you know, adopted it. Why not? Um, Why not? But yeah, thank you for reminding me because uh, I need to, I need to clean my apartment before my mom gets it down. <laughs> yeah. So she can think that she raised a, a, a person that normally vacuums. That's right. So, Everyone, enjoy your week. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you. We'll talk with you, Zach, when you're a year older and a year wiser. Yes, yeah, I'll be 28 next time. Oh, wow. So, yeah, getting pretty old. We may have to hand this off to some younger people before you, long. You are but... but only a child, Zach. Yes. So, yeah, uh, send us questions, comments, hate mail, 
uh, written death threats, whatever you got, um, we will read it. <laughs> you can ask us questions, or you can go through my. Uh, well, we should set up a curious cat for the podcast. But for now, you can just do anonymous questions online. Ask anonymous questions. We'll we'll answer them on the air, maybe. Um, sure. And uh, you know why not? We want to interact with all of you. We we see the listener count steadily growing, which is shocking to me because I hate hearing the sound of my voice. But you know, it's fun. All right. Have a good week.